Welcome back to another episode of the Dynasty Digest, where we give you a consumable dynasty perspective. I'm Scar. Wyatt's back with us again today. We're going to hit everyone's favorite meaningful fantasy position, the tight end group. So, But before we get going, roll that intro. He has the hearts of a lot of fantasy players. I like it a lot, honestly. I'm, like, I'm, I'm in for death, taxes, and the 2022 water receiver class. I like what you were saying, Skylar. No, no player is completely untouchable. I think you guys really... I had not. I have not really heard this yet. I listen to a lot of pods, and I have not heard this yet. Well done, gentlemen. I'm really impressed. Uh, shout out, Spaceman, as always. And first still waiting time, to hear from him. <laughs> uh, he got back to me. He, said, he did. Okay. I've been listening. I heard okay. you call me out, but I've been listening. Love that for you. You're our guy, Dave. Uh, first time we finally got to put that intro with both Wyatt and here. Wyatt and I actually here, which makes a lot more sense. Good to see you groove into the music. Um, oh yeah, but. Talking grooving. Let's roll right into some tight ends. I do want to say before we get going, guys, we're doing tiers as always, like we have for the last couple of positional groups. All ages that we mention are for the start of 2023s before you jump down our throat saying he's only 22. Well, he's going to be 23 starting next season. All of the finishes that we mentioned are based on half PPR. Uh, startup prices are based on super flex. Uh, we're not going to go too in-depth on any of the tight end rookies today, but we will touch base on where some of the guys projected to go in day two fall. So without further ado, we'll jump right into tier one, the elites. There's three tight ends in this tier. They're all worth roughly two firsts, depending on your league settings. That could be a little more, a little less, or a first and a tier down option. They go in round three, four, the startup, the first name, 23-year-old, Kyle Pitts, tight end 33 in 2022, tight end 20 in points per game, uh, tight end 20 in 2021 for points per game this last year after tight end seven as a rookie jumbled on my words there. It is surprising maybe for some of you, the Kyle Pitts, we still have him here despite the disappointing season. He only played 10 games. His season ended on IR after a grade through MCL tear in week 11. Um, he had knee surgery. November 30th. He should be a full go for camp. He's going to year three of four into his rookie year, fifth year option, which will most certainly be picked up. Um, the main thing with Kyle Pitts, he's only lost one round of ADP despite this forgettable year two. And the insulated value, it's it's just a result of the versatility in his skill set, his size, speed, his collegiate production, Unicorn. and all those factors that made him the highest drafted tight end in NFL history. Uh, it's really hard to move past that. I think a lot of managers are still holding on to hope about what could be for Kyle Pitts in this large upside and the position that, as we get deeper into this, you'll see is a complete and utter wasteland. If you take Kyle Pitts ahead of all these guys and you miss out, there's ways to make up a tight end. But if he hits, Kyle Pitts could be an absolute difference maker uh some leagues his value is a little more volatile than it was a year ago which i would argue is a potential buy-in opportunity for leagues if players are moving on from him for maybe a first or an or, you know a collection of picks a first and a second um but there's not too much else to be said for cop i think everybody knows the drill we're going to try to get through these first couple early guys we'll move right in to the tight end two uh in this tier who is it wyatt Travis Kelsey going to be 34 in this next year. Still, still just rocking it. You know, he was five points per better per game than every other tight end in, in fantasy football. He was a true uh, league winner this year. And 
I mean, yeah, he's 34, but like you just don't care because I don't see there's there's no sign of him slowing down. He's still playing at the top of his game. Um, you know, Kansas City would have to add multiple high level pieces before you even consider th- that he could like lose a sh- his a portion of the offense that he has. So, yeah, I mean, he's just he's still him. Um, you know, fourth round startup ADP. Like, I don't think that's crazy. Uh, if if you if you're already leaning a little bit more into uh, a win now mode with some of your first picks, which you know it's a little early to to lean a certain way, but if it just happens to be going down that path where your where your startup draft is going, your league mates look to be focusing on youth rookie picks really early, a little bit earlier than you would. Maybe you're already thinking like, yeah, I'm going to be getting the 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 veteran discounts. Travis Kelsey, he's still going to help you win. Yeah, with Travis Kelsey. I wouldn't fault anyone in your pre-existing leagues for valuing this guy still as the tight top tight end in fantasy. Yeah. That five points per game ahead of everyone. No signs of slowing down. This is going to be a situation where it's going to take an injury probably to end Travis Kelsey's career. Um, maybe he comes back as a Greg Olson type fade out. Uh, the way he's doing it, the way he's playing. Yeah, top guy. Unbelievable. He's going to be going in the first round of people's redraft leagues again next year at 34 years old. Um absolute difference but even if you t- even if you don't know the direction of your startup team and you take him in round four there's ways to liquidate travis kelsey if you really want to mm-hmm. move off there's going to be a team in season assuming he doesn't have an off-season injury that sees travis kelsey is away to the championship and to the bank so yeah absolutely. travis kelsey is still absolutely elite why round out this tier for us yeah last one in this tier is mark andrews he's gonna be 28 uh Kind of a disappointing year for Mark Andrews, but he was still tight end three in total points and tight end four in points per game. Um, maybe that speaks to tight end a little bit more than 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 Mark Andrews for this past year. But the point is that he's still really good. He dealt with Lamar Jackson being out for most of the year, or not most of the year, but a good portion of the year, uh, playing with Tyler Huntley, Pro Bowl quarterback Tyler Huntley. Um, but um, but you know, twenty eight years old. I mean, you look at like elite tight end like Travis Kelsey still being elite at 34, you have to imagine you've got a lot of years left for Mark Andrews. Um, it's looking like Baltimore is going to do everything they can to keep Lamar Jackson around, which I think is good news for Mark Andrews, because I think as long as that's the case, Mark Andrews is probably going to be his number one target because they don't seem to be a team that's really going to invest too much into their wide receivers. Like they do a little bit here and there, but not too much. Like I Rashad Bateman should be coming back and that's good. They'll probably add another piece, but like, no matter what they do, what realistically they do, you probably still expect Mark Andrews to be the number one target in that offense. So there's really no worry here for me. I still expect Mark Andrews to be a top tight end year in and year out, top three, top two, you know, every year. Yeah. I mean, injury riddled kind of season two. He didn't seem to be a hundred percent at any point, which was very frustrating for managers, especially down the stretch. But Mark Andrews, to, to your point further, you know, with Lamar Jackson being there, um, Again, another year, he'll be tagged if they don't extend him this offseason. With Mark Andrews, uh, they've added first-round talent twice in the draft, and Mark Andrews was still that top target. So, yeah, I- I'm not concerned about the volume for this guy at all. Um, with everything he went through this year, still finishing top five for three years in a row. Uh, what more What more can you ask of Mark Andrews long-term? This is a, this is a cornerstone-type asset. It's one of the few building blocks that I point out top 25 player in dynasty fantasy football for me. So moving forward, we have tier two. These are the proven producers. We have two tight ends in this tier around a mid first plus late second or a late first and a tier down option. These guys go around five, six of your super flex startups 
I will start with tight end four. We have TJ Hawkinson, who will be 26 years old. He was the tight end two in 2021 after disappointing for a lot of the early season. He was a guy I thought at cost was a bust going into this year, a player likely to bust. And wow, he proved me wrong once he got to Minnesota. Uh, he was the tight end six in points per game in 2021, despite only playing 12 games. He was around one pick in the NFL back in 2019. He had his fifth year picked up. Once he got to Minnesota, this guy had 8.6 targets per game as a Viking. 8.6 targets per game. I, I, what what more do we need? This that's that would be impressive for Travis Kelsey. 8.6 targets per game is is just is it gives you this, as safe as a four as you could possibly imagine. Minnesota they probably look to bring in another pass catcher with Adam Thielen aging, but Thielen's contract's intact all the way through 2023. We have second year for T.J. Hawkinson in this offense. We have the same head coach, offensive coordinator in Minnesota. So continuity is huge here, and I don't see a lot of reason why T.J. Hawkinson would like to slow down. I've always thought T.J. Hawkinson was relatively limited as a player, but from what we saw, he's very, very, very comfortably in this little transitional tier here for me as a player that where he's not a cornerstone-type asset, he is He's a great, great player to have, a great asset for Dynasty Fantasy Football, and a player who really plugs a hole in a position that is almost impossible to find a plug for. Yeah, TJ Hawkinson, I, I feel like he's someone who I had been above consensus on just like slightly throughout his career. And now I'm what I feel like I'm going to be the wet blanket on TJ Hawkinson after this. I think that this was probably going to be the best year of his career. Um, I think this was like a magic situation for him when he got to Minnesota. Great. And like he's good. I think he earned everything that he got that he that he got there um but after justin jefferson in that offense there really wasn't that much going on in the passing game before he got there adam thielen has clearly lost many steps uh kj osborne has shown flashes in spots but is really inconsistent and i don't think anybody's expecting too much out of him they didn't really throw to the running backs too much this year um minnesota was also i believe top five in pass attempts for the year and it just seemed like the situation happened where if Justin Jefferson wasn't, you know, open, if he's being double covered, whatever, uh, more often that Kirk Cousins would just, you know, drop it down five yards to DJ Hawkinson, let him do his thing. And I'm just, and like you mentioned, I think they're going to add to the, the pass, uh, the passing offense. I think they'll probably try and get at least one more wide receiver in there. I, like, I just, I think he's now at a point where I would try to tear down from him or move on. Like I, we talked about, I made a trade in a league that I'm in for this next player. We'll talk about George Kittle, where I just traded Hawkinson for Kittle and I got two thirds and a fourth on top, which isn't much. But like, my thing is they're, they're basically the same for me. They're in the same tier for us. I'll just take the the bonus picks and, and move on. You know, I, yeah. I just have a little bit concerned that like, this is good. This is his peak. No, no, I agree that it could have been the best season we see from TG Hawkinson. It's just the floor that he's going to have, I think is top six. I think top six is where he's going to finish. I'm pretty confident in that. It might be as tight end six, per perhaps depending where he goes in your leagues, that could be overpriced. But when you're talking like round six, seven, you're looking at wide receiver threes by that point in your draft. And I'm totally cool locking in a player. I don't really have to think too much about here. Um, for me personally, I know we have in the same tier as George Kittle, but like a couple thirds, little dart throws. It's not enough for me to just make that parallel especially when T.J. Hawkinson is four years younger. But you're a big fan of George Kittle. He's an excellent player. Why don't you go in and talk about him? 
Yeah, going to be 30 years old, um, still doing his thing, just like Travis Kelsey, tied in two in points per game this past year. And um, yes, he like will occasionally miss a couple games. Like there's all these, there's like these little nicks, despite him being basically what it's widely considered the best all round tight end in football and probably the best tight end with the ball in his hands in all of football. Um, like misses maybe a couple year uh, games per year. Um, the offense is usually low passing volume. Um, the, who's the quarterback going to be? But it's just one of those things. George Kittle is just so good that it doesn't matter because he just makes it work for him. And you saw what can happen, what he can do for your team at the end of the year when he went on that run where he had, what, it was like seven touchdowns in five games or whatever to finish the year. Like he was he was winning people leagues because of how good he was down this end of the year with Brock Purdy, um, you know, Mr. Relevant. So that just like goes to show you what he can do and do for your team. And that's why he's right up here in this tier with CJ Hawkinson. Yeah, he's one of those guys that helped Purdy keep that nearly 70% completion percentage. Yeah. Um, your hope is that with Trey Lance or whoever the heck slides into that it's similar where when they just kind of dump down this offense is even though it's his it's a tough offense to get to get into, that George Kittle is just kind of that safety blanket guy, that go-to guy, uh, get it to your playmaker type player. Cause as you mentioned, he is the best tight end in football with the ball in his hand. He's the best tight end in football blocking. He might be the best tight end in football when the ball's up in the air. Um you know, in a world where Travis Kelsey exists and puts up great numbers, he's an excellent player. Like George Kittle is, he's exceptional. He really is exceptional. Yeah. Uh, it's the age here. I mean, it's the only reason this dude isn't right up there in the first tier like he had been in years past. Age 30, he's broken down a little bit. He manages to healthy through this year, but even this year he missed two games. He's missed at least two games in each of the last four seasons. I think that's a lot of managers' concerns that if George Kittle starts to deteriorate Gronk-esque style-wise, um, it could be kind of a not very graceful fall <laughs> down yeah. for George Kittle, one where you're just hoping he gets back for fantasy playoffs kind of thing. So I think that's where a lot of managers' reservations are with George Kittle. But, you know, when we're talking about the difference he can make, he is under contract through what seems to be at least 2024. Uh, he's got a almost $10 million dead cap there. If he stays healthy, I expect them to stick through with them. Maybe they restructure or they work something out different going into 2025. That's probably two more years with George Kittle. I think it's about as good and as far out as you can look at this position. So I'm not totally off George Kittle. It's just one of those things where, like for like Switch, I probably prefer TJ Hawkinson. And, but I agree with both those players that a tear down is a great option. So why don't we just jump right into the next tier? This is tier three. We have these two tight ends in here. It's tight end six and tight end seven. This is the safety net tier where these players are worth around a mid to late first, maybe an early second and a tier down option around seven, eight of the startup um, leagues where manners are maybe a little more aggressive. They could go a little earlier, but those are fair prices. Number six, Pat Fryermuth, 25 years old. He was a tight end eight in 2022 following a tight end 13 finish in 2021 as a rookie year three of four into that rookie deal. Not overly inspiring with the numbers he puts out. He gets seven to eight points per game, but that's one of the safest bets in fantasy. He seems to do it every single week, whether it's through five receptions or whether it's through, you know, the touchdown, because he is one of the more reliable red zone tight ends in the league. He seems to get it done. Um, putting up the seven to eight points per game in, in, in a season where Pittsburgh put up seemingly no receiving touchdowns with a rookie quarterback. We know that rookie quarterbacks struggle to sustain top fantasy options, at least through multiple positions. Uh, Pat Farmuth seemed to 
survive the season and still give you a solid floor output. As we said, he finishes low in tight end one where that's not difference making. It gives you something. And with tight ends, that's undeniably important. Um, you know, maybe his upside is in question without strides in QB play or team offensive progression. Um, but given his age, 25, all around talent, possession receiving ability. And as we mentioned, that red zone work. Pat Fryermuth is about as safe as it gets. I mean, tight end six is such a nice little spot for him. Um, very comfortable here for me. I don't think I want to move him up, but I certainly really don't want to move him down. You could maybe yeah. fluctuate him with the other player in this tier, but I think Pat Fryermuth is just, he's just, I don't have to think about the tight end position when I have Pat Fryermuth, and that's a luxury. Yeah, we all want that. <laughs> It's a nice thing to have. So who is the other tight end here, Wyatt? Dallas Goddard, about to be 28 coming up. He was the tight end 12 in 2022, but he was actually tight end 5 in points per game. Um, he only played 12 games. Um, and that's a little bit a knock of him because he's missed some games in his career. But I'm, I don't think he's injury prone or anything like that. He's got it under contract for a good bit now for the Eagles. Um, and basically, I, I, I think... The reason why anyone wants to detract from him is that uh, he's he's the third option in the passing game, right, for Philly because they've got A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith there, those amazing wide receivers. The thing, though, is that that offense is so good and so efficient overall that it doesn't really matter because even as that third target, I mean, he only had 69 targets in 12 games. Not bad, pretty good, but on, just on those 69 targets, five, 55 catches, 702 yards, the three touchdowns, he'd like to see a little bit more in the touchdown department from him. But, you know, that kind of production as the third option uh, makes me believe that he can continue to be a top tight end, even it being that third option for them. Um, this That team, that offense looks to be like it's going to be one of the best for a long time. Um, I think Dallas got, I actually prefer Dallas Goddard to Pat Farnworth just because I think that he's a little bit more athletic and better with the ball. Once he gets it, he's actually a pretty good uh um, yak receiver yards after catch. So I prefer him slightly, but like you said, with fire with, I mean, like this is someone who, if you have the Dallas Goddard, like you just don't worry about your tight end position anymore. You're just like, yep, he's in there every week. Happy about it. I don't have to worry about that really for years to come. You don't have to make a move. Like you could literally just set it and forget it from here and, and, and be good. Yeah. I think the dream is to have a roster where I have both Pat Fryermuth and Dallas Goddard. Uh, you prefer Goddard, I prefer Fryermuth. I think it's just kind of what you prefer out of your tight end. The big difference between these two players is probably just ceiling versus consistency. I think with being that third option mm -hmm. in that offense, yeah. his, his floor is safe. He still gets enough volume. Even weeks, he'd only get three targets. He'd have three targets for three catches for 50 yards, and that gave you that six to seven points. That is a low-end tight end one, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. with the power of the offense um, – Dallas Goddard would still give you spike weeks where he he made a real difference to your lineup. He's a little older than Pat Fryermuth. He's got three years on him. That injury history, you might not think he's injury prone, but I don't know. Similar to George Kittle, you missed two or more games in each of the past four seasons. People are going to have that thought about you, that reservation about you. Um, and that's fine. If you have Dallas Goddard, you know, grab later in the video, we're going to talk about some tight end two type options, uh, players to have behind dallas goddard and this guy is he's as good as anybody realistically is what you can expect from the position once we get past those elite 
options <laughs> tier four we're breaking this into a couple little parts but we're gonna start with 4a i'm calling this the halfway house these are th these two tight ends that we have in this little spot they you see a little bit of a it's a it's a low risk area in the draft we're talking rounds nine through twelve if you take one of these two guys and they progress or they show out early while they're young, you're getting a player in the Fryermuth Goddard tier at a discount, or you slightly overpaid for a tight end too, because that's potentially what both of these players are. But it's a good point of entry. I'll start with Greg Dulcich. Both players say they're worth round a late first, maybe early second or mid second in a tier down tight end. Greg Dolchich is 23 years old. He was the tight end 30 in 2022, tight end 18 in points per game. One of the 18 tight ends who gave you that seven points per game or greater mark for half PPR, which is a decent floor. I mean, it's not very exciting, right? But we are talking about a rookie who came out in flash, which is rare, you know, four tight ends in their very first season. He's going into year two with Russ and this offense that is announced Sean Payton coming into town. So maybe they level up and that could be huge for Greg Dolchich. You're getting a piece of this offense that's cheaper than probably the two guys above him. Uh, that being Jerry Judy or Javante Williams. If you do want a share into this thing um, with Greg Dolchich, I think it's a lot of the things I was saying with Pat Frymuth. It's obviously not completely proven. We haven't seen it. But similar to Pat Frymuth, when you show out as a rookie, as a tight end in the NFL and give me meaningful production, um, he was a. I value that heavily. He was a guy we were putting in our weekly rankings as a low-end tight end one, it seemed, every single week. And he was pretty comfortable in that spot. I never felt too bad when I put Greg Dulcich into my lineup. The tight end 30 is a little misleading as well because the first stretch of the season, he was coming in, he was injured, so he didn't start the season with the team. And then he was a little bit of a slow start. But once we saw Greg Dulcich in there right away, he was connecting with the team, did well with the targets, efficient. Um, as they score more, maybe he gives you a little bit of touchdown upside because similar to what we were saying with a few other teams, Denver wasn't scoring touchdowns in the air. I'm sure everyone knows the, the memes going around. That was Russell Wilson throwing touchdowns versus uh, was it bathrooms in his house. Yeah. And it, so that's where we sit on Greg Jones. What do you think about Greg Dodgers? What? Yeah. I, you hit on it slightly for me, but I think the big thing here now that we have, this is Sean Payton coming to town. I mean, we already saw, as you mentioned, Greg Dulcich uh, flash as a rookie, which is not something we expect. So you naturally expect him to increase a little bit in his usage, you know, just everything going into year two, especially when a tight end shows out in year one some. We definitely expect that in year two, that to have a jump there. And if you just look back at the history of Sean Payton tight ends, like it is just you know, big year after big year after big year from people that you don't expect. Like Jared Cook had the nine touchdown year. Like, like this is just something. It's a feature of Sean Payton's offenses that the tight end is always used. And like, we could be talking about Greg Dulcich uh, much higher, even from this point come this time next year. Um, like, I think there's a possibility that getting in at Greg Dulcich at tight end eight or this kind of price looks like a complete steal in, in you know, like nine months from now. Yeah. I mean, he's been going in startup drafts. We've been seeing routinely around round 12, the back of that range. You're saying nine through 12. I wouldn't even hate taking Greg Dulcich round eight, round nine, just for the upside. Why was talking about, right? We said the point of entry, you're getting in at Greg Dulcich. It's not one that's really going to hurt your team, but the upside with Greg Dulcich, with this team, with Sean Payton, 
it, it is it is extraordinarily high. Uh, another player people are really excited about, Michael Mayer. I'm going to get into him really quick. He'll be 22 years old. We said we weren't going to go too deep for these rookies. If you haven't heard of him, we will have upcoming videos all through March on all of the rookies. But we'll quickly hit because I think this is where he falls as a player who's going to be going somewhere between the 109 to 208 in your rookie drafts, probably the higher end of that. But I know in some leagues, the tight end naturally will slide. And we haven't seen what his draft capital landing spot is. But this is a guy who's projected to go um, potentially in round one, day one in the NFL mm-hmm. draft. Uh, he'll most certainly go in day two. He won't slide past round two. Um, he's 6'4", 250. He profiles to be one of the best receiving tight end prospects in years. He's not a natural blocker. And he's slightly undersized, underwhelming athleticism. But he seamlessly supplanted Cole Komet at Notre Dame. He put up 138 receptions for uh, 1650 yards, 16 touchdowns in his final two seasons at Notre Dame. Exceptional numbers. Um, so, again, just like Greg Dolge, is the kind of guy you buy him in now, maybe around 12 of your startup, or you get him in that, if he does slide in your rookie drafts mid-second, he could be a player who returns really, really good div- dividends in this range. I think putting him at tight end nine, some people might view as aggressive, but with just how much of a absolute dumpster fire this positional grouping is, I'm more than willing to take an early stab at a player who could jump up into that TJ Hawkinson, George Kittle tier, or even to a lesser extent, the Fryermuth Goddard tier. And if I miss what we were saying with Dulcich, we get a tight end two out of it, more likely than not, because Mayer does profile to be a pretty darn safe receiving type tight end. Yeah, the, the only question for me will be that athleticism. And I don't want to be a slave for 40 times here, but like it is important for tight ends. Uh, he doesn't have to run like really fast. You know, it's just like, can he get four, seven or lower? Really? Like that's all, all we need for him to say like, okay, like he can be a quality tight end fantasy wise in the NFL. Because you kind of have to have at least like a little bit of the athleticism to really put up some good tight end numbers. Um, you can be slow and still succeed. Um, but you kind of have to hit like that certain mark to, to yeah. really kind of be able to put yourself in the upper echelon. Like if he runs like a four, eight, um, it's, it, I'm not saying it's a death sentence. Right. But like now he's just, he's, he's, he's looked at completely differently as what his future in the NFL can be. Um, like he's probably going to f- start falling in like middle of the second round or later. Uh, but that's, that's, a, that's the big one for me is like, can he actually run just like decent enough to make me think like he could be like, Zach Ertz, you know, so that sure. kind, that kind of a player. Yeah, I mean, the bar isn't too high. I mean, Cole Komet was a four seven, yeah. um, right? And Trey, McBride, Trey McBride last so, yeah. year was a four six one. We don't necessarily talk about him as the the, the most crazy athlete. Um, Pat Fryermuth was a four seven seven. Uh, I, I do agree. It it is a concern, but it's not like an absolute death sentence yeah. for marriages because that's not the type of player he is. He wasn't burning players all over the field. Travis, I yeah. mean, Travis Kelsey doesn't even burn guys from all over the field. Right. Yeah. And it can, it can absolutely become overcome. Um, you know, it also it depends on like, you know, some people just have different game speeds than they do yeah. time speeds. Absolutely. Um, it's hard to, hard to really, you know, discern that until we see it on an NFL field. But, you know, we, we, we can find that out sometimes when we see it. Yeah. And to round out saying Kelsey's, it was a four, six, six. So, yeah, we'll see. And it, right. in game speed on the field, it, it is a lot different than just running a raw 40, especially yeah. when you're as big as these boys. Uh, yeah. But we will move past the 4A part of the halfway house into this second group of players, which are more the 
spot start some streaky we'll call them streaky the streaky tier here of tight ends i'll let wyatt jump straight into the first name of this group yeah david and joke and i'll be honest you know like i'm a little bit hurt that he's was called streaky here because 27 years old yes he was the tight end in total points tight end 15 in total points last year tight end 12 in points per game but through week seven he was the tight end seven um and then he uh, had a high ankle sprain, and it was kind of a little bit hit or miss after that. I I truly feel like if that injury didn't happen, David Njoku was going to be a top five tight end last year. Um, he was trending in the right direction. He was seeing a very large target share, um, big part of the offense, and w- was doing great with it, making good on the contract he signed in the offseason. Um, I think he's a great, great player to have at this kind of cost here, um, and one that I want to get on because – I think he's going to continue to be a featured part of the offense. Um, I, I expect the Browns to add to their wide receiver room, but I don't know what kind of a player they're going to add, like how pro, how, how high pro, a profile of a player they'll actually add. They already have Amari Cooper. We already know that they're big into the run game with Nick Chubb, and it kind of runs through that. I don't know how much they'll actually add. They drafted David Bell last year. Donovan Peoples-Jones has shown improvement. So I think there's a good chance that David Njokin continues to be possibly the number two target in the offense, and I'm excited for him still. Yeah, Cleveland's a team that had a lot more holes than just the receiving game, and I don't think that was necessarily the weak point. I wouldn't be too surprised, especially the way Stefanski likes to run offenses, that they take maybe a more passive stab at someone in this passing attempt passing attack like they did David Bell last year, or maybe they prioritize uh, another later stab at a running back to bring the room to compete with Jerome Ford for the backup role behind Nick Chubb. Um, and so for those reasons, I agree that David Njoku probably is the second guy on this team with behind Amari Cooper. Um, they might just want to see if Donovan people Jones continues to progress as that number two uh, wide receiver for the team, or if anyone else maybe takes a little bit of a step forward. They really need to prioritize this defense with that draft capital. Maybe if a guy slides, yeah. they might, they'll go best player available for that offense. But I don't think that was the weak point of this team. They'll have a whole another offseason to work with Deshaun Watson, which I think will be huge, huge, huge for this team. So I do agree. David Njoku in this price, you're going to round 9 through 11. He could be right up there with Dallas Goddard. I don't think there's a lot separating these guys as far as the athleticism, the big playability uh, attached to top undeniably top 10 quarterback in my opinion um and cleveland could be a better offense just as a whole than they were last year maybe we'll call this tier the the sneaky studs instead of the streaky studs um i like that yeah but i'll, I'll move into this group i do want to say everyone in this tier is probably worth roughly an early second at least for me personally or a mid late second and a tier down option as we mentioned with David Njoku, who's around 9 through 11 in your startup. The next player we have here, tight end 11, Darren Waller, 31 years old. He is a little older. This is a player that I've been very surprised has just slid well past this round 9 to 11 spot. And a lot of drafts I've been seeing. I took Darren Waller in the mid-late 13th round in a Superflex startup recently. And I'm just looking at it. It was like tight end like 18, 19. And... That's an excellent point of entry. I think we forget the difference this guy has on the field when he's completely healthy. It wasn't it this year. I know it was completely forgettable, but Vegas was a little bit of a mess. We we still have to see what they do as far as, um, you know, the whole staff there, the quarterback that they plan to bring in. Um, 
what, what direction this team is really looking to take. But Darren Waller, he was a tight end 10 in points per game this year when he played, which was for nine games. Uh, he's missed 14 games over the last two years. I think that is the big concern. With Darren Waller, from picking up Darren Waller in round 13, this is a player I would love to tier with a guy like Greg Dulcich or Michael Mayer from picking them up, you know, two or yeah. three rounds earlier because I think it's a lot safer to go with one of those players where Darren Waller could come in and what's stopping him from being a top five type tight end next year as well. Um, if he breaks down, that is the one thing in market. He'll be completely washed. I think people will be totally off the player. So there's a little bit of risk there. We're talking round 13. These are players who aren't even starting for a lot of people's teams. Yeah. You're talking yeah, second round. Risk. Yeah. Second round starter picks go before that point of entry for players in that range. So I'm completely willing to whiff on Darren Waller in that territory. This isn't the round three that he was going two years ago. This isn't round six that he was going last year. Round 13 for Darren Waller is criminal, honestly, just for the type of player he is, the upside that he offers. Uh, they could cut him. It's only a 500K dead cap. It really depends what direction this team is going. Uh, this is a player that could find a new home thereafter. He will be in Vegas through this season. Uh, I would love a world where he somehow finds his way to Miami. <laughs> that would be like a dream for me for Waller. Give this guy one season with McDaniel. Get Mike Asicki the heck out of town. Um, <laughs> but Darren Waller, we still have him here at tight end 11. I'm fine if with the rest of this tier, we're going through tight end 13 if you want to put him at the bottom of this tier. But realistically for me, he should not be sliding past that. Uh, just what he offers and you want to do you have any quick thoughts here on Darren Waller wired? Are you interested in buying him at this price or are you just completely off board with the recent injuries? No, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I mean, I have him at my tight end 13 in my, in my personal rankings, but at same tier, like we're talking about here. And it, it, you hit it for me is that it is possible just next year. He's healthy again and puts up a top five season. Like that wouldn't be crazy. We shouldn't be surprised if that happens. So when you think about this cost, like, you do your risk reward analysis and you say, okay, I, I think that's a, a worthy shot to take, especially when you pair them with another option, like you mentioned, especially someone younger so that, uh, you know, even in best case scenario, you know, he does hit like he's, he is older. So you're going to have to be looking into a succession plan for him on your roster. So that's why, especially like pairing him with someone young, like, like Dulcich. Yeah. That team I was mentioning, I had Travis Kelsey and Trey McBride. And I was like, I, I just can't, I can't yeah. watch Waller slide to round 14. Yeah. I took right. him anyway. Yeah. I'm like, he's tight in five next year. I get a late first out of it. So yeah, that's it's a very intriguing return for me. The next guy we have here is Dalton Schultz at tight end 12, 27 years old, tight end 10 in total points, uh, tight end 11 in points per game, 2022. He is currently a free agent. This is a really interesting situation because we all know, Calibor out of town for Dallas. What does that mean for this team? A lot of uncertainty moving forward. I think that could potentially be a point of entry if you're grabbing Dalton Schultz for maybe a late second while people get excited for that pick and off of Dalton Schultz. Uh, he's not the most athletic guy. A lot of guys we were mentioning earlier where he's not this big play guy, this yak type guy. He's just a solid possession receiver. I think he'll have a role wherever he lands. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. And my expectation would be, though, for Dallas to prioritize bringing Dalton Schultz back in some capacity. Uh, this team really struggled with receiving options past uh, CD Lamb last season. Michael Gallup, maybe it's just the injury, but he really regressed. Uh, I wouldn't put a lot of stock into Michael Gallup. They're not really flexible with their capsation to go sign a big name type player either, uh, where 
Dalton Schultz. He shouldn't be too expensive. Maybe they tag him again. This is a guy that is a safety blanket for Dak. He's really shown it at the end of games, close or not. He's just kind of hitting him on those out routes. He's 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 just a PPR type machine, really safe floor. Uh, the ceiling might not be there, but we're talking tight end 12, 13, and on any given week, he'd be your tight end six, seven, eight. We've seen him finish as high as tight end three, four, like he did last season in total. So we know that is in his bag. He'd probably be a little higher, maybe maybe closer to David and Joku still in this tier, most likely with a contract. We are waiting to see where that goes, but Dalton Schultz, he's a very fine player. This is a very safe pick. If he's sliding because of how upset people are with Dallas, how off of Dak they are, how off of more leaving they are. I think it's a fine point of entry for Dalton Schultz. Again, we are talking the double early double digit rounds for him, a late second type thing for Dalton Schultz. I'm completely fine moving in but someone people might prefer as a little more of an upside player is tight end 13 who is a white evan ingram gonna be 29 years old tight end six in total points tight end eight in points per game in 2022 um really rounded into form this year i think i think this was the best evan ingram we've ever seen um with the jaguars this year he had a 16.4 percent target share in that offense which is which really nice to see and he is a free agent. I think he'll be back with the Jaguars. I think it's a perfect spot for him, honestly, with that, you know, ascending offense, a really good head coach who has an affinity for tight ends. I think it's just a match made for him there, um, especially with the pieces around. Now, Calvin Ridley was acquired by the Jaguars, and he could be reinstated at, at any point. We expect him to. And it could hurt Evan Ingram. I tend to believe that it, it won't. I think if anything, it's going to knock Zay Jones down the totem pole and Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram will continue, will be that big three for them um, in the passing game. But 29 years old, you know, he's starting to get up there. It's, it's, it's a tough investment because this is the best we've ever seen. And will we, will we continue to see it? What's going to, where is he going to sign? If it's with the Jaguars, what's it going to look like with Calvin Ridley coming back? You know, there's there's a lot here. I want to say that I'm hopeful that he has found his perfect spot now, and we, we, like he is now putting everything together for himself. I'm a little bit late, uh, but making good on all the potential that he's had all this time. Um, if he returns to Jaguars, I'm going to be really interested. Um, I I might take him. Uh, yeah, but. I, with David Njoku, I would say maybe even with up there with Michael Mayer and Greg Dulcich, honestly, if, if he's back with the Jaguars. Yeah, age is the big separate. I think your stutter, stuttering kind of is a microcosm for yeah. the rest of this whole tight end video. We're saying anything, some huge sweeping claims uh, with a lot of confidence gets tougher and tougher as we move down, especially with Evan Ingram, the guy who hopefully isn't given the blueprint for Kyle Pitts. Um, <laughs> a flash is a rookie better than anyone we've ever seen after being, you know, very high prospects struggled, struggled exponentially since. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Probably did find a home in Jacksonville. I think they felt like they proved a lot of people wrong with these signings with that. They had last year was giving Zay Jones a decent size back, giving Christian Kirk an enormous bag, giving yeah. Evan Ingram a prove it type deal when he's been one of the more laughing stock type players over the last couple seasons. 
he found a nice home. He went out. Maybe when we were talking streaky, maybe I can bring that streaky studs title back here for Evan Ingram. Yeah, for this one, it kind of makes sense. <laughs> that could potentially be the type of player that we have here with Evan Ingram. Uh, I think over the last month, you did see he was tight end one, tight end two for the last month of the season. So he has that in his locker in Jacksonville, working with Trevor Lawrence, another season under under Doug Peterson's tenure. Um, I'd be really excited about Evan Ingram. This is a player you'd be taking in a lot of redraft leagues, probably shooting for upside. Uh, the point of entry here for Dynasty is still pretty darn low. Um, he's he's a nice type of player to pair with, you know, as we mentioned, that group of players. That's why I like Pat Frymuth so much. You grab Pat Frymuth round seven, you come back, grab a guy like Evan Ingram, David Njoku, Darren Waller, if they slide in your draft. And I think you're maximizing your floor and your upside here. The only reason I'm more aggressive on a player like Evan Ingram, again, it's that age and the career failures. I'm not going to excuse his failures. I still think he has questionable hands at times, which could lead to that streakiness. Um, I don't know everything that goes into that for Evan Ingram, but certainly an exciting player for next year. We will move forward into tier five is another one. We're breaking up a little bit five a I'm calling these the new kids on the block. The two players in this tier worth around a mid second or a late second and a tier down option. They go in round 12 of your super flex startup. Number 14 is Trey McBride, 24 years old. He was the best tight end in college football last year. People were taking him early to mid second round of a weaker draft class last season, at least once we got past, you know, the top five, six, seven names there. Uh, Trey McBride, he only had 3.8 points per game for the year. Only six points per game a game started after Zacharis went down, which left a little more to be desired. We would have liked to see more in that team, but the Cardinals, they were all over the place. We did at least get one game. We saw 17.3 points in week 17. Kyler Murray going down. Uh, Med had a lot to do with this, this offense in total. We don't know what Zach Ertz's situation is going forward. He Honestly, he could be cut from the team going this year. His contract is pretty easy to move off of. I don't know where he is in his recovery. It's a decision the new administration will have to make. We don't know who that coach is going to be here for Arizona. We don't know what that means for coordinators. We don't know what that means for the kind of offense, but Trey McBride is a good stab to have because like we keep saying with Zach Ertz, he's coming off the injury. He's that old. The tight end's been used there in Arizona, at least since Kyle Murray has come into town. Trey McBride was a, a very good, solid prospect coming into the league yeah. round two in the NFL for a reason. Uh, this is a player that maybe some of you more casually slides because as we mentioned, he did pretty much nothing as a rookie, but that's not abnormal for a rookie tight ends. Not everybody is coming in here and giving you Pat Fryermuth or even the flashes we saw from Greg Dulcich. That is not common. Trey McBride is a player we've been trying to preach to have patience with i think this is a perfect guy to slide behind if you have a travis kelsey you took in round three four and you wait until round 12 to 14 and a guy like trey mcbride slides i think that's a really nice guy to to take where you can have that patience maybe if you did take darren waller in round 11 you follow it up the next round take trey mcbride gives you immediate short-term upside and i think trey mcbride could be a fine player in the future could potentially slide up into that Pat Fryermuth range where he's not the most exciting player, not the greatest athlete, but a very solid, dependable receiving option who does a little bit of everything to at least get on the football field and could take up a good target share in this offense. If given the opportunity, um, 
yeah, I'm excited for Trey McBride. Hopefully next season we see a lot more. Um, that I think that'll be very important for his dynasty value. But another player who actually did flash pretty well as a rookie, who is that player, White? Chig Conquo, uh, also 24 years old, like Trey McBride. 4.6 point per, points per game for the whole, entire year, but from week 13 on, 8.2 points per game, which would actually have been tight end 11 in points per game for the year. Um, I know on our team, you know, as throughout the season we're doing our shows and we just kept bringing up his name, you know, in, in our redraft show because it was he started to become a very big part of the offense, which kind of makes sense because there honestly wasn't very much for pass game options for the Titans, right? Um, and this is like through them working through Malik Willis and Joshua Dobbs, like it, it was a tough scene and Chikakonko was still making plays for them, which was especially surprising because I don't think he was a player who was looked at someone who would be able to contribute uh, right off the bat. Um, but you saw him week after week making big plays. Uh, I think that he's going to build upon that because the Titans still won't have much in that passing game for, as terms of weapons. It's going to be hard for them to add enough for him to all of a sudden fall in the background. Like, I think they're going to need Chigakonko next year. Uh, so he's a really exciting player to have. You know, he's not someone I expected to have him right here, like next to Trey McBride, but I think it's absolutely deserving for him to be here with McBride. You know, it's you can you can bump rookie tight ends up when they do show something in their rookie year. You just don't want to knock them down. And that's, you know, for Trey McBride, I think it's easy for people to forget about Trey McBride because he didn't do much in their, his rookie year. But like you said, it's to be expected. You you can you can not move them up. That's fine. But don't knock them down if they don't do anything in their rookie year. Yeah. And Trey McBride doesn't have as cool of a name as Chigozi Maconquo. I mean, that, yeah, that I that's mean, elite here, right? And he was an exciting player. I mean, he was player. born to be a star. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't like the helmet scout, but when they draft this guy just as raw of an athlete as he is, we mentioned on one of the Dynasty Digest where we talked about Chig, we said this, this guy could be... He looks a lot like Johnny Smith. I hate yeah. to, I yeah. hate the helmet just scout. Does. My hope was that they don't just relegate him into a complete blocker, maybe a little red zone trickery type player. Um, but they didn't do that for his rookie year. They opened him up a little bit and maybe that was out of necessity. Uh, he was the best athlete other than Traylon Burks, uh, potentially out there on that offense where the team need to get something going. You move off AJ Brown and suddenly you have nobody who can get anything done downfield. You need somebody. And he slotted in there. He was a very athletic player and he had a stretch of games. It was five or six games where he had like a 30 yard plus play every single game, just one, which gave him a little bit of a floor for fantasy for that stretch, which is why we were talking about him in the redraft show. Cause we were saying, well, he has the upside to potentially be the guy to, Catch a touchdown for that team, which he did on several occasions, but he's catching at least one 30 yard bomb. And that gives you a four point base, which sadly, when you are streaming tight ends was serviceable. Uh, I would be really uncomfortable if Chig was my tight end one in dynasty. But if you have the luxury with him to be your second, third, or even later type of guy, I think it's an excellent player to stash on the bottom of your team. Maybe one of your leagues is still a little slow to get on some of these rookie tight ends. Um, but Chig is a very exciting one to invest in now. I just wouldn't go overpaying because, as I said, with with the question marks around that team as a whole, what they're planning to do at quarterback, if they're going to try to re reinforce that offensive line, if they're going to bring more receiving options, there's so many question marks with the Titans. Are they going to try to strip things down, or do they think they're just a couple retooling options for getting right back to the top of the conference? I'm not sure, and a lot of that plays into why I'm not that aggressive on Chig, but I think 
tight end 15 is a very good point of entry for Chig. As we mentioned, when we did the dynasty Jaguars a couple months ago, we were saying this guy probably jumps up to round 12, which I'm cool with. I just would not be going and grabbing him earlier than that because of those flashes, because of the athleticism. I think Chig is a good model for what we look in with fourth round dart throws at tight ends coming. If you grab day three, or day two draft capital, and you have really good athletic scores, probably worth taking a step in the fourth round because immediately you turn a fourth into a mid-second here with Chica Conquo, which is a great return on your investment. We'll try to keep this thing moving through these tight ends. This is tier 5B. The next part, I'm calling this the floor gang because their floor is... Pretty darn low. You're really hoping for a touchdown, but they catch a couple <laughs> passes a game. They're all involved in their offenses enough to give you that four or five points a game, which, as we mentioned, is sadly serviceable at points of the, of the season for tight end. These guys are worth that mid, maybe late second or early third tier down. They go around 13, 14 of the startup. Why get us started with tight end 16 here? Cole Komet could be 24 years old, which is a little bit surprising because he's also entering his fourth year in the NFL. So he's very young for his experience in the NFL. Tight end 11 total points, but tight end 18 in points per game. Not great there. But he did have an 18.3% target share for the year. The problem is, is the Bears offense, right? Like they don't pass the ball. Um, now, I think that they can. I think Justin Fields is a capable passer. Um, there is some discussion about how good of a passer he actually is or can be. Um, I think he can be very good as of, as a passer. I think he's fine right now. I think the issue is that like they had to make the, our offense like that for it to work because there's there really wasn't anything for him to throw to. I mean, there was Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, and what? There wasn't. You know, uh, they, they were drafting Vels Jones to help him, and then obviously that wasn't going to work out. Um, so I. You know, I think that they're going to try and add to the offense, obviously, try and give Justin Fields some pass catchers. I don't know how many they're going to be able to add. I don't know how many free agents are going to want to go to the Bears. They may be able to trade for somebody. Um, but I think if they do that, that will also mean that they're going to try and pass more than they have previously or this past year, which could keep Cole Komet's fantasy points alive. His target share might drop as they add some weapons, but if they pass more, it might balance it out a little bit. He was someone that I would really liked. Um, but it, I'm starting to lose a little bit of interest because I'm concerned if he can actually ever be an elite tight end. I, I'm starting to think that that it, that ship has sailed. He's probably going to be good, not great. And what will the offense be passing wise over the next few years? So it's tough. Yeah, with Cole Komet, I still like the player just fine. I just think he's really boring i think i i'm not sure where the ceiling is i don't know what the direction chicago is um we saw jalen hurts turn into one of the best deep ball passers in the nfl and good enough to be accurate over the middle of the field and sustain a really powerful passing offense i saw justin fields in college i saw him yeah. throwing deep balls all over big opponents in college if lamar jackson comes with his arm why can't Justin Fields? His downfall will not be because he's not a good enough passer. It, he will be let down by coaching in an organization that does not build around him properly for his skill set. I don't think Justin Fields' downfall is going to be his arm talent because certainly mm -hmm. the, the raw tools he has are 
really, really solid. You can't tell yeah. me that that is the reason he will not succeed in the NFL. There's a lot of other reasons why he could not succeed. Um, but about his passing options, this offense is going to have to take a huge step up for Cole Komet to be even Pat Fryermuth, which is what last year we were kind of hoping he would tear into. Yeah. Um, this is all about opportunity costs with Cole Komet, right? T- tight end 16, that's fine. Totally fine. Tight end two. Yes. When I don't, I'm not sure when you're starting him at points in the season. He over the last two years has just been more of a desperation play, and that could potentially end up a little bit of a roster cloggy type player. I remember when we had a lot of ho- high hopes for a little grouping with you love your David and Joku and Evan Ingram not too long ago. Those were that hopeful tier with mm-hmm. guys like Hunter Henry and um, Mike Gesicki. And if you held on to those guys for a little too long, it really never came together um they just they end up being more roster clog type players for your team where none of them are bad football players and with the correct circumstance all of those names could probably end up being guys that you're plugging into your lineups at points in the year i'm afraid cole Komet will fall into that type of player which is why he's down here into the second mini thing of tier five i thought it was unfair to have him a, a whole total tier different than a guy like trey mcbride because there's n- not there's a non-zero chance that Trey McBride ends up falling back a year from now into this Cole Komet or a little bit lower when he if he doesn't show out in his next season. So just keeping it realistic with Cole Komet, the 18% team target share seemed great. They also had no receiving options. So I'm not going to weigh into that too heavily. Um, yeah, I would like to see a little bit more. At least we got a couple touchdowns from Cole Komet this year. Uh, talking about high, a guy we were really excited about who – turn into a little more what I was saying with that cloggy, maybe you're plugging them in, but it's relatively uninspiring. Next guy in the floor gang is who, Wyatt? Noah Fant, going to be 26 years old, tight end 17 in total points, tight end 22 in points per game. For some reason, Seattle still likes to use Will Disley. <laughs> um, I, I don't quite understand it. I think Noah Fant is a much better player than Will Disley. But the fact is, is that he is not getting enough work in his offense to warrant starting on any given week. But it's tough to rank him too low because we know who Noah Fant can be and who he is. He's a hyper-athletic tight end who's capable of really big plays in a, in a given offense. He he was a tight end one before going to Seattle. A low-end tight end one, but he was a tight end one for fantasy. So we know it's there. It's just... I, 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 you know, it's, with this offense, I can't confidently say that he'll, he's going to produce. I just, this is a pure, he the, bet on the player and hope that things work out. I, I think it's a worthwhile shot when, you know, when you talk about cost for Noah Fant here, because he is still young, uh, still athletic, and he could just find himself in a position to produce it at any point. But he is a little bit of a roster clocker because you can't actually play him. So it's a tough investment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I don't, I'm not completely out on Noah Fant. Uh, it has to be more deep rosters at points in the season. You're going to end up playing Noah Fant. They use Will Disley because he's a completely different tight end to Noah Fant. Noah Fant is athleticism marks are off the chart, but he's obviously just hasn't put it all together as the best football player. There's more aspects to the game than just being big, fast, and strong when it comes to the tight end position. And I think there's a reason Denver fell out of love a little bit with Noah Fan. It's crazy because it feels like just yesterday that Noah Fan or TJ Hawkinson split rooms, and there was a real conversation, not only because of the helmet coming, both coming out of the same university, both going in the first round of the NFL draft, 
um, they're completely different players. And Noah Fant was the more exciting one, just given that athletic profile we were talking about. It is disappointing to see him this low, but I think it's completely appropriate. He was the tight end 17, as you mentioned, a total points in 2022. And he's here at 17. I think that's because his floor is probably right here. I'm just unsure how high that ceiling is. At least he is still only 26 years old. So there's potentially time and Seattle, they were good offense this year. Maybe in year two with that team, he takes on a little bit more of the role. But at best, he's the third guy here catching balls in a team that's identity really is going to be through Kenneth Walker. Um, how how high can that upside get, right? Yeah. So talk about a guy whose upside is just capped by his role in this offense. I'm rolling right through. This is tight end 18 Dawson Knox, 27 years old. He was a day two guy, just uh, what felt like only a few years ago, but he's coming into the second part of his contract. He was the tight end 14 in 2022, tight end eight in 2021. We have him here at tight end 18, which is below that mark. I think it's because it's all about expectation with Dawson Knox, which is kind of a theme for this floor gang tier. It's fair to say what Dawson Knox is at this point. He's inconsistent. He's touchdown or bust. He's undersized receiving tight end for an offense with a top five NFL quarterback, which is what props him up to relevancy at stretches of the season. But Buffalo desperately needed a second receiving option this year. And Knox was just not that guy. He just didn't step into it. Gabe Davis was spotty as well. He didn't step into that role. They really need a strong true second receiving option for this team and they could probably benefit from another tight end in that room too which might not be a bad thing for Dawson Knox because it could open him up more as a receiver um but he just has a limited ceiling in both situations unless he comes out like he did when he was the tight end finished just a year ago and has an unprecedentedly high or tough to repeat level tight uh touchdown percentage there's the word <laughs> i just don't really see where that ceiling comes from it's that every year we seem to have a guy like this dawson knox robert tunyon a guy who's propped up by those touchdowns where i don't think dawson knox is a bad player but i think he's a spot start value tight end as long as he's with josh allen his his, his contract as we mentioned he's moved on to the second contract starting next year he'll likely restructure again he already has once at points in his career but he's probably tied to buffalo through at least 2025 and so is josh allen so you're going to hear Dawson knox's name for the next couple of years at plenty points i think he's a fine tight end two or three out, just to be on your bench as a guy that you're probably going to play at points of the season but there's there's no shot that dawson knox is a player i'm reaching for a player i'm really targeting maybe in redraft because you're just targeting this offense maybe a new oc comes in they get a second option you're just looking at total touchdown opportunity for this team but with dynasty we love those target shares and dawson ox is not that guy i think at the target shares what separates a cole Komet for me even though the touchdowns might not be right. there for cole Komet like they are for dawson Knox. Uh, I was just going to say, he had his one magical year. He was clearly an outlier, I think, when you look at the rest of his years of his career. And, and he's just kind of living off that. Any value he has is based off that. He's fine otherwise. He's fine. Me. He's frustrating. He's really frustrating. And the partnership you don't want is like him and Noah Fant. I, I was tweeting throughout the season. I had one team where it was almost comical between Noah Fant and Dawson Knox. Because I played Dawson Knox. Noah Fant got a touchdown the next week. Go to Noah Fant. Dawson Knox gets a touchdown. This happened for like four weeks straight until there was... It was week, quite the streak. Maybe week 12 or 13 i don't 
exactly off the top of my head, we both ended up catching a touchdown. I was like, okay, I can't lose this time. Um, but talking about a guy who was popping up all over the place throughout the season, tight end 19 in this group is Juwan Johnson, 27 years old. This is higher than other people are going to have him. We're sliding him in here. I know Nate on the channel is a fan of Juwan Johnson amongst these types of players. Uh, he was a tight end 11 in 2022. He is a free agent coming up, which is why I'm not going to be pushing his name uh, a lot more. He's similar to Dawson Knox in the fact that he is undersized for the position. He's only 230 pounds, but he's 6'4". He basically operated as a big wide receiver for the Saints this last year, where they really lack size in the receiving core. Um, it's tough to ignore him when he had greater than four targets per game in the season, and he popped up in spurts throughout 2021 early in the season. It's pretty athletic. Uh, he's also relatively capped. There's no ceiling with this player. But when you're talking the third tight end on your team, I think Juwan Johnson's a little sneaky buy because you're getting him here. We're talking, uh, this is rounds 13 through 15. He slides past that. Uh, some of your drafts, he might be there. You might be looking down around 18, 19, 20, and you'll see Juwan Johnson's name in that range where it's a pretty dead group. You're grabbing the KJ Osborne's of the world. The Even that's pretty high for that range. Uh, I think Juwan Johnson's a very, very looked over name, uh, potentially roster cloggy, but depending on your depth at tight end, I think he's a very fine ad. You also don't know what the future looks like for him. If he does stay with New Orleans or without a first round pick, it's a really weak wide receiver free agency class. We don't know what's going on with Michael Thomas. Jarvis Landry might be completely dust. Uh, there could be a role for this guy. Again, there's uncertainty with the team QB, the offense as a whole, and the direction of the organization. But there's, there's likely a uh, small little value here when he's tight end 24, 25 in market. He goes like round 18, 19. So I think that's a good little uh, inefficiency there to grab Juwan Johnson. Yeah, he's, he's a good bet to make because if he does get a contract somewhere that they want to use him, you know, as they're starting tight end, like he's he's going to be a value base on where you can draft him. Yeah. He's also a legend because I had a matchup against Wyatt where he was the Monday night game. I forget who they were playing the Saints, but it was completely done. The game was toast. And with, I think maybe his time expired, Juwan Johnson caught a completely meaningless like 20 yard touchdown and that put me to beat Wyatt in a matchup and oh, oh I bet you guys could imagine I was graceful about that one <laughs> all right Thanks for bringing it up. oh every chance I get every chance I get that being said guys we're gonna wrap that up as part one of these tight ends um always fun talking about this group always a great time coming in and getting to talk with you guys if you disagree with any of these players you really like them drop down in the comments let us know hop in the discord it's going to be in the description we're going to be posting all of our notes from this video in the discord so if you want to come in and see exactly our thoughts or maybe you want to talk about the tight ends or have a discussion about the nuances of maybe a few of them get more in depth we're trying to keep this to about an hour for you guys hop in the discord talk with us you can find all our stuff on twitter at jwb underscore ff why is at Wyatt B underscore FF. I'm at the FF Buffalo. With that being said, we will catch you guys next time.